Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me on today's episode, episode number 124. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend watching the NFL Divisional Round with the four fantastic games we got over the course of the weekend. Hopefully you also enjoyed the trade night vlog that I released yesterday on Sunday on my YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, I strongly, strongly urge you to go check it out just to see the vibe here at the shop on trade night and just how important the community of sports cards, investors, enthusiasts, collectors, hobbyists are to me. But without further ado, we have so much to talk about in today's episode, breaking down the four games from over this past weekend. But like I mentioned, holy smokes, Holy smokes, we got four fantastic games. Literally, the Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers, Rams, Bucks, and Bills, Chiefs. Each of those four games gave us everything that we wanted in a football game. They all gave us a little bit different where the underdog comes from behind to beat the top dog. Then we have a massive, you know, late second half, 24-point comeback that ultimately did not prevail. Then we had two heavyweights going back and forth, clashing and bashing. Oh my gosh. It was a lot to take in. It was a lot to take in. And before we dive into it, I do want to go over the pleasantries real quick. Thank you so much for clicking on this video if you're watching this episode on YouTube. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you are listening to this on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple, Facebook, there's so many platforms where you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. That's just a fact, not an opinion. So thank you so much for downloading, listening, enjoying, and thank you so much for clicking if you are listening to this on YouTube. Please make sure you hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and comment any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, and all of that down below in the comment section. And if you want to reach out to me on social media, feel free to do so at Murph's Cartown. So with that out of the way, oh my goodness. Okay, so let's just go in chronological order of the games, right? We'll start with the Bengals-Titans. What a fantastic game that was. That was truly, I don't want to say back and forth because it seemed like the Bengals always had the upper hand. But the Titans, you just couldn't count them out. But on the flip side, they kept shooting themselves in their own foot. It just seemed like a game that the underdog was going to win being the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, it was nice to have Derrick Henry back, but did he make that great of an impact in the game? 
Well, obviously on the ground game, yes, to have that threat there. And A.J. Brown made a you know a couple fantastic plays over the middle and on the sideline for that one-handed touchdown. But like I mentioned, at the end of the day, the Titans just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Fumbles, interceptions, they couldn't stop the Bengals on offense. It was bizarre. And I said this from the very beginning. I said this because I picked the Bengals to beat the Raiders. And I had, I guess I technically had the Patriots in this game against the Titans. But since we had the Bengals, I had to switch my you know predictions around. And I picked the Bengals to win this game. I said this, that the Titans, sorry, I just cracked my knuckles. That the Titans were fraudulent one seed. They were. They have a good roster. Yes, their defense is nice. They have a great running back, possibly the best running back in all of football in Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown, a fantastic stud wide receiver. Julio Jones, who can still make some plays here and there. And Ryan Tannehill, who a lot of people buy in on the hype. But I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe in terms of some fantasy value, he might have some because he can run the ball a little bit. He can get you some rushing touchdowns. Sure. But at the end of the day, he's not that good. And he's proven it time and time again. He couldn't beat the, the Bengals this year. He couldn't get out of the wild card round against the Ravens last year. And they lost to the Chiefs the year before. So it's like Ryan Tannehill can get you to the playoffs. That's not in question. He can get you through the regular season. Let's see. He got nine wins his first year. He got 11 wins last year and 12 wins this year. He can get you to the playoffs. Okay. That's not the question. But he's not a good enough quarterback to take you over that hump. He's just clearly not. He reminds me a lot of, uh, I'm trying to think, who, who, I mean, I guess you could probably point at Aaron Rodgers, right? Although he has that one Super Bowl, but that was a decade ago. Excuse me. Where great, fantastic, regular season quarterback will do everything you want during the regular season and get you to the playoffs. Maybe win you a game. Maybe not but can't get the job done. He just can't. I mean, this is an embarrassing loss for the Titans. It really, really is. Now, I know, I know that they had a good regular season. Then they got hit with injuries in the middle towards the end. They had the week off during wild because they were the number one seed. They got healthy. And the Bengals just played last week. So the upper hand should be uh, for the Titans. They're the home team. But they still couldn't get it done. Now, if the Titans were the one seed all year long, then they had the injury bug towards the end of the season, and they lost the one seed. Say they were the two seed, right? Even they win wildcard weekend, and they're the two seed. And now they're playing the Bengals here in this game, hypothetically. Then you could kind of look at like, oh, injuries derailed their fantastic season. They were the number one seed all year long. They lost the number one seed to, say, the Chiefs, and now they had to play a wild card, which they barely got by. They didn't have a week to get fully healthy. Okay, those are some legitimate reasons, excuses, whatever you want to call it. But they were still, <clears throat> excuse me, they were still able to scrape out the one seed. They were. They were still able to scrape out the one seed, and they only put up 16 points. I mean... Is it time? Like the Titans gave Ryan Tannehill a fat bag, thirty million a year for four years. I don't know what the guarantees look like. Whatever. Is it time to reevaluate the quarterback position? 
Maybe not this year. But definitely soon to come. Could you get a replacement for Ryan Tannehill in the draft and groom him to be the next guy this year, uh, next year? Sure. But my goodness, so many people were telling me that, oh, the, uh, the Titans are going to be healthy. They're going to beat the Bengals. They can make it to the Super Bowl. Bro, they put up 16 points against the Bengals' defense, who I've countless, countless times said their defense is a year too early. They have a ton of good pieces on defense. However, they're a year too early. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're right on time. 19 points to the Raiders, 16 points to the Titans, two playoff teams. Obviously, next week's going to be a really challenging task for that defense where they're going up against the Chiefs, and we'll talk about that Bills-Chiefs game in a little bit. But my goodness, the Titans, fraudulent one seed. Absolutely fraudulent. I love the fact that Cincinnati is able to advance to the AFC Championship game. Good for them. I am all on board the Bengals bandwagon right now. And it is full steam ahead to Arrowhead. So, woo-hoo, all aboard, baby. Because if you're not on the train now, don't hop on the train when it comes time for the Super Bowl when we get there. Either join now or don't join at all. Because this wagon is going to the Super Bowl, and I'm calling it now. In a joking way, guys. Just re- relax. There's so much that goes into it. I'm not just going to blindly pick the Bengals here. But, yes, the Bengals beat the Tennessee Titans on a game-winning field goal, 19-16 to on Saturday. What a fantastic game to kick off the divisional round. And let's dive into the San Francisco 49ers defeating the Green Bay Packers by a score of 13-10 to at Arrowhead. Now, you could say, or you could ask the same question. Murph, if you're calling the Tennessee Titans a fraudulent one seed, aren't the Packers a fraudulent one seed because they lost in the divisional round? Well, just because you lose in the divisional round doesn't mean you're a fraudulent one seed. But you could call the Packers fraudulent. I mean, that's a term that they've been called for years now. It's not like it's just this one year where it's like, oh, so much high expectations after years of winning. What else do we expect? Well, no, the Packers made it to the championship game in the NFC past couple seasons, and they lost this year. Calling them frauds isn't anything new, especially having Aaron Rodgers, quote-unquote, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, under center. Now, you could call Aaron Rodgers fraudulent, sure, like I was calling Tannehill and the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. But what I'm trying to say is that the way the Titans lost, and from everything I was hearing from people at the shop, people on social media, uh, media coverage, is that the Titans were going to win this game because they're the one seed, they have Tannehill, they have Henry, Brown, Jones, all this and all that. They had the bye week, the number one seed, home field. Fantastic. I sat here and said all week, social media, at the shop, on this podcast, Monday and Friday last week, Bengals were going to win. And they did. Now let's fast forward to the 49ers-Packers game. The Packers and Rodgers have been called frauds for years. This is nothing new. I'm not going to sit here and try to defend the Packers for not being frauds because I honestly think they should have won this game. I picked them to win this game, and they didn't win this game. But I'm not going to sit here and say, ha-ha, I told you that they were frauds. I mean, it was already a known fact that they were frauds. There's a ton of Green Bay Packer fans that come around the shop, and they were expecting disappointment, similar to the disappointment that the Cowboys faced last week. 
tons of Cowboy fans come around uh, the shop as well. And they were like, yeah, we got a great team, 49ers. We should be able to beat them, but I'm expecting the worst. You know, quote, unquote, for what some Cowboy fans said. And that's very true for what some Packer fans said. You know, 49ers are hot. Yeah, Packers are super good, but we should be able to beat them, but I'm expecting them to lose. Countless Packers fans said that. And it came true. The Packers, number one, were only able to score 10 points. Number two, they held the 49ers to 13 points. That should have been good enough. Plus, it was cold. Plus, it was windy. It was snowing. It was raining. I don't even know what it was last night. It was a little bit of everything. And you're an outside team who plays in the north, not the north division, but just like the northern part of like, you know, the United States, right? Midwest, the Midwest. Where you endure inclement weather such as snow, sleet, rain, wind, cold, whatever. I'm sure you've practiced in it countless times. You've probably played in it a gazillion times. Yet you only put up 10 points. Meanwhile, you let a team from the sunny side of California to put up 13 points, but those 13 points are good enough to win. Unbelievable. Now, yes, you could look at the fact that it's not entirely Rodgers' fault. You could look at the blocked field goal. You could look at the blocked punt. Okay, that's fair. But if we're going to sit here and proclaim Aaron Rodgers as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, he should be able to overcome that. He should. But he couldn't. I mean, not to, not to get ahead, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were down 27-3. to And they marched back to tie the game at 27 apiece. That's what the greatest of all time does. Now, obviously, I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but if we're going to sit here and call Aaron Rodgers a top-five quarterback of all time, you either need to put up more than 10 points, win the game, or at least, I guess if you're going to lose, lose when it's like 30-30, to 30, right, in a blowout where you can put the blame on the defense at that point. I mean, I'm actually a big fan of Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. I like what he can do in the pocket. I think he's got a little bit of swagger to him. Not a lot, but, you know, whatever. He can move. He can launch the ball 1,000 yards. I just, uh, it's really hard to like someone when he can't go out there and execute. Now, I'm not saying that this 49ers game was supposed to be a cakewalk because the 49ers, very hot team right now, just like the Bengals are. But this does not look good, especially with all the confusion in the offseason, whether you're going to stay, retire, asked to be traded and leave. Then you come back. You have a fantastic, absolutely fantastic season in Green Bay. Then you go out and put up 10 points in your first game after the bye week. If this was the wild card weekend and you just had a treacherous uh, second half of the season, okay, we can have a different conversation. But similar to the Titans, you had a whole week off. Plus you're at home. Plus the weather favors you. Plus you have the better quarterback. You have the better offense. Maybe not the better defense, but the better offense. So it's, this is tough. I put a poll on my Instagram. I don't know if it's still up. I don't know because that game was on Saturday, so it's gone now. I put a poll on my story on Instagram. Was this Aaron Rodgers' last game for the Green Bay Packers? And I think the last time I checked, 93% of people said yes. 
63% of people said yes, that that was Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Green Bay Packers. And I guess I'll ask you, do you think that is true? Do you think it is final game with the Packers? Me personally, probably, probably his last game with the Packers. Where is he going to go? That's a conversation for after the Super Bowl. We can get into all of that. Where's Wilson going to go? Where's Rodgers going to go? Could Tannehill be on the move? Where's Big Ben going to go if he wants to play another season? Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts. All those questions we can talk about after the Super Bowl. Because the Packers do have Jordan Love, who they drafted two years ago with the 27th overall pick in the draft. Waiting in the wings. Could be the future. Could not be. And if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to come back and they let him go, that would basically put them at zero cap space because right now they're at like negative 44 and Aaron Rodgers is like negative is 43 against the cap. So it would actually be beneficial for them to let him go technically, especially where you have a young quarterback behind him. But what that was a really that was a really interesting game. The weather played a huge factor into it, I believe. However, you would have thought that it would have favored the Packers, which it should have. But it looked like it almost favored the 49ers, who came more prepared to play. Absolutely bizarre. And it was really awesome to watch the 49ers win. Not that I was rooting for them, but in a sense I was because of Jimmy G. I'd rather have had the 49ers win that game than the Packers. But listen, we got a crazy, crazy NFC Championship game coming up between the 49ers and Rams next week. And speaking of the Rams, let's talk about their win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they defeated the Bucs 30-27. to and with that Rams win, that knocks out Tom Brady out of the playoffs in the divisional round for the first time since 2000, what was it, 10? I believe it was uh, since 2010 when the last time Tom Brady was eliminated in the divisional round where he lost to Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez, and the New York Jets. What a freaking shit show that year was. Or how that year finished, I should say. However... Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen. I could go on and on with the talent that they have on that team. They were able to prevail. But they were up 27-3 to in the second half. Now, I'm not going to lie. 20-3, to I felt okay. I was like, eh, it's still three possession, ton of time left. Bucks still got a good defense. They could still come back. But when I up to 27 I was like, oh, this is going to be tough. This is essentially 28-3, to the Super Bowl, except, you know, 27. Different team. You don't have the firepower as you did in New England that year. Oh, this is going to be tough. But if anyone was to do it, it would be to, it would be Tom Brady. I'm not going to lie. It would have been Tom Brady. And then he, you know, it was like, ah, oh, they, like, were fourth and, like, two or something they decide to go for it was like fourth and six they decide to go for they don't get it and i'm just thinking to myself i'm like just take the points i know you need touchdowns i know you need the seven but just take the three and honestly once you figure out the math they failed on those two times where they could have took a field goal but they eventually tied it up imagine if they kicked one of those field goals they would have technically won if they were able to kick one of those field goals earlier in the game instead of forcing the tie with less than a minute to go. But anyways, to be honest, in Super Bowl 51, when Tom Brady led the Patriots back from 28-3, to 
at like 28 to 20, I felt the Patriots would go. I, I felt it inside. They were destined to win. I felt that inside. Obviously, you still needed the touchdown. You still needed the two-point conversion, which was the biggest part of it all. The two two-point conversions were the biggest part of it all. But you just got that sense, that feeling that was like, this team can't be stopped. The Falcons can't do anything right now to stop them. They can't even do anything on offense. This is Tom Brady's moment. Then they ended up winning in overtime. Which I'm going to get into in a little bit overtime rules because Chiefs fans, shut the hell up. Anyways. But in this game when they were down 27-3, to the Buccaneers, I didn't feel good about it. You know, I don't want to say the Rams are a better team than the Falcons were that year. Defensively, yes, the Rams are significantly better defensively. But offensively, that that Falcons team was damn good. Damn good. I think they were better than the Rams are this year. So it's like, couldn't get any more points. There was fumbles. Oh, my. The, the Buccaneers' defense, similar to the Patriots' defense in uh, the 2016 Super Bowl, really stepped up. They really stepped up. They sucked the first half, a little bit of the third uh, third quarter. But they stepped up, and they helped make that possible, forcing fumbles and putting Brady on short fields to get touchdowns. It was truly a team effort. Truly a team effort. And then they capitalized and get the touchdown to tie it 27-27. to However, you got to kick the PAT still, which, again, is the most important part. PAT right down the middle, 27 all. There's still like 40-something seconds left, maybe like 45 seconds left or whatever. And as bad as the Buccaneers' defense played in the first half, as fantastic as they were playing in the second half, they just completely crumbled apart. They let First of all, I don't know what that quarterback draw was by Matthew Stafford. Just take it and run. Then they call timeout. Then they hit Cup for like 15, 17 yards. Then they hit Cup on the deep bomb for like 30, 40 yards, and then they kick the field goal to win. Boom, party over. As fantastic as the Bucks were playing in that second half, how do you not stop one of those Cup plays? You leave them one-on-one twice. He burns the defender twice, and he sets them up for the game-winning field goal. Now the Falcons... In Super Bowl 51, could have done the same thing. But instead, the Patriots' defense stepped up. And they were able to continue the momentum that they had, playing fantastic defense all in the fourth quarter, essentially, because even through most of the third quarter, they were playing like garbage when it went to 28-3. to But that fourth quarter Patriots' defense might have been one of the best defenses I've seen out of any any team in a long, long time, just like in-game performance to neutralize the best offense of that year for one quarter, completely neutralize them, and they did it. In the Bucks defense, you could call the Rams a top five, maybe a top three offense. Statistically, I have no idea where they rank, but just from the eyeball perspective, I would say it's a safe bet to call them a top five offense. And the Bucks defense was able to stop them for the majority of the second half. With the exception of two plays. Two plays. All you had to do was just stop one of those plays. And the game would have went to overtime. And we could be talking about a different outcome. Now, yes, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady lost that game. But there is no denying the fact that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time for simply putting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in that position or putting them in a possible winning position. Now, like I said, it's not all Tom Brady. The defense came up with some fantastic turnovers, causing Akers to fumble a couple times. Mike Evans burnt Jalen Ramsey for a nice 75-yard touchdown, whatever the hell it was. It was just a absolute... And then Leonard Fournette doing Leonard Fournette things. It was truly a team-orientated comeback, obviously led by Tom Brady, who did not look the best. He did nowhere, nowhere near look like he did in Super Bowl 51. Granted, he's... Uh, five years older. Granted, he doesn't have the weapons that he had in New England that year. So, all things considered, though, fantastic comeback by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, it did fault in the end where the Rams were still able to kick was a 30-yard field goal for the win or whatever it was. But, wow, that was a fantastic game. That game is just like, oh, come on, just 27-3, and then it gets closer and closer, and you're getting hope. And people are frantic because a lot of people want Matthew Stafford to win. And he deservingly so should have won that game. But here comes Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Never count out the GOAT. Honestly, I know Tom, like I said, I know Tom Brady didn't look that good. But I really don't think he's the reason why they lost that game. At the end of the day, I think it was the defense that ruined it. Because the defense couldn't do anything in the first half. And uh, yeah, the defense couldn't get anything going in the first half. No stops, nothing. And they were able to in the second half, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't stop Cup and Matthew Stafford one more time. What a fantastic game that was. Congratulations to Los Angeles Rams for defeating the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as they move on to the NFC Championship game where they will host said NFL Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. And fun fact, Rams will be hosting the National uh, the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl is also played at SoFi Stadium where the Rams play. So the Rams, if they beat the 49ers, may not have to go all too far for the Super Bowl, whereas the Bengals or the Chiefs would have to travel essentially. Well, I guess Chiefs are kind of halfway there. Anyways, speaking of the Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs. What a phenomenal game that was. You know, the first game, uh, the first two games of the weekend, the ones on Saturday, were low-scoring, defensive-orientated. Who's going to make more mistakes? But this game, Bills-Chiefs, holy smokes, just shootout, shootout, shootout. Allen touchdown, Mahomes touchdown, Allen touchdown, Mahomes touchdown. It was crazy. It really was crazy. It reminded me a little bit of the Patriots-Chiefs AFC Championship game a few years ago where the Patriots beat the Chiefs in overtime to advance to Super Bowl 53. Did remind me a lot of that. However, this time the Chiefs were able to win the coin toss and they were able to advance to the Super Bowl. Now, before I dive into this game, I do mention overtime because I don't. Hold on, let me take my headphones off. All I hear is the heat running. But I do not hear a single Chiefs fan, a single Mahomes D-Rider, complaining about the overtime rule. I don't hear them. 
three years ago when the Patriots beat the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime to advance to their third straight Super Bowl, every Kansas City fan, every Mahomes D-Rider were complaining, Mahomes didn't get the ball in overtime. How could the game end like this? How could you only give one team a possession to score and let the... Uh? Bro, football is played on technically four fronts. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. But it's mainly looked at on two fronts, offense and defense. Mainly, right? Chiefs defense wasn't that great in 2019, but they weren't terrible. You could have stopped the Patriots on any of the other third and tens that they had. They were three third and tens. And they converted all three of them. The Chiefs marched down that field and absolutely decimated the Bills' defense. But I don't hear a single Chiefs fan complaining about the overtime rule where if the first team to possess the ball scores a touchdown, they win. Similar to the fact where Mahomes beat, or I should say the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes beat the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert in overtime just a few weeks ago. Again, Chiefs fans and Mahomes D-Riders were quiet. In 2019, Andy Reid proposed that the overtime rules get changed, and that thing got shut down immediately. Because truthfully, I think there's nothing wrong with the overtime rule. I will read exactly what it says. I will read you the first rule of the NFL postseason overtime game. You ready? At the end of regulation, the referee will toss a coin to determine which team will possess the ball first in overtime. The visiting team captain will call the toss. Heads or tails, right? There will be 15-minute peri uh, periods, quarters. Each team must possess or have the opportunity to possess the ball. The exception. If the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown on the opening possession, that team will win. Like I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, football is played on two main fronts, four total, but two main fronts, offense and defense. Just because the offense of the other team has the ball does not mean your defense can't step up and make plays. You have superstar worldly talent on offense, and you have superstar worldly talent on defense. You should be able to make stops. The Chiefs in 2019 had three, count it, three opportunities to stop the Patriots on third and ten, and they failed all three times. Why is that a league issue? Where your defense failed, absolutely failed. The Patriots' offense happened to pass. They succeeded against the Chargers a few weeks ago. You got the ball to start, and you succeeded in scoring a touchdown where the Chargers' defense failed. The Bills, Chiefs, divisional round. Just last night, you got the ball to start, and you succeeded 
where the Bills' defense failed. You don't hear the Bills' fans complaining. Oh, I haven't heard any yet. Football is played offensively, defensively, special teams, and coaching. I'm sick and tired of people complaining about the overtime rules. Just because the offense has the ball does not mean your defense can't go out and make a play. Doesn't mean your defense can't go out and make a turnover, get a stop, you know, get some sacks. You know, <laughs> if your defense is playoff caliber, which all of those eight teams from yesterday uh, over the weekend, they should be able to go out and make some stops. Now, the Bengals did, the Titans did, the Niners did, the Packers did, the Rams did, the Buccaneers did. The Chiefs did. Bills didn't. I mean, I guess the Bills and the Chiefs didn't, where it's 42 to 36. But you see my point here. Ultimately, my point is, those same Chiefs fans from three years ago are awfully quiet. So please, stop complaining about the overtime rules. If just because the offense has the ball doesn't mean the defense can't go out and make a play. Okay? That's just football. Now, obviously, could it get changed and the product may be better? Sure, maybe. But now you're just taking away a completely different proponent of the game, and that's defense. So just because the offense gets the ball and they score a touchdown, now your offense has to go out and score a touchdown. And then and then what? We're just going to keep re- repeating that cycle? Like The game is meant to be played in four quarters. From start to finish, in four quarters. Like, you don't hear Falcons fans when they lost 28-3 to in Super Bowl 51 that, oh, Matt Ryan didn't get the ball in overtime. You don't hear that. Like, a field goal. If the first team to possess the ball, say the Chiefs kicked a field goal last night, right? Instead of getting that touchdown, they kicked the field goal, and they went up 39-36. to The Bills' defense got a stop. They stopped the Chiefs. So that is, you know, plus Buffalo. You know, the win goes to Buffalo for that possession, right? Now, Josh Allen, the Bills offense, has a chance to go out, make some plays, and at least get a field goal. Or better, score their own touchdown. Because your defense got to stop. Your defense won that little trench war. But my goodness. Chiefs fans, so fr- they're fraudulent. Let alone the Titans being the number one seed and let alone Packers and Aaron Rodgers being the one seed being fraudulent. Chiefs fans are fraudulent. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm not trying to cause any beef with Chiefs fans, but oh, my goodness. You guys are so inconsistent. Whenever I make a take, whenever I give my opinion about something, I have to stay consistent. You have to. Because you can't look at the overtime rule as it favors me where the Patriots beat the Chiefs three years ago because Patriots were able to get the ball and score a touchdown. But then again, say the next year that it was a rematch and the Chiefs did the same thing. I can't be like, but the overtime rule doesn't allow Tom Brady to get the ball so he couldn't go out and win the game. Meanwhile, last year, you just did that to the Chiefs. Wherever you lie, wherever your stance is in sports, stay consistent. That's all. Just stay consistent. If you like the overtime rule, stay consistent and like it. If you don't like the overtime rule, 
stay consistent and don't like it. Regardless, you liking it or not, regardless if it benefits your team or not, stay consistent. Because Chiefs fans three years ago were bitching and complaining about it, but now this year where it's benefited them twice are silent. So with all of that said, as we look forward to the NFC and the AFC Championship game, the Bengals and the Chiefs will square off Sunday, January 30th at 3 p.m. to kick off Championship Sunday for the AFC title. And the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, and the Los Angeles Rams will kick off the nightcap of Championship Sunday, 6.30, where the NFC Championship will be determined. Very, very interesting matchups that I don't think anybody expected. People probably had the Chiefs. Maybe a couple people had the Rams. But I don't know how many people had the Bengals versus Chiefs or the 49ers versus Rams or the Bengals or 49ers at this point at all. Some people had the Chiefs out. Some people had the Rams out. Very, very exciting right now. And I'm looking forward to breaking down the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game on Friday's episode, episode number 125. So, I did a little research. I did a little digging. And we do have a small update in Major League Baseball. Now, I know it's the offseason and it's basic, basically football right now, but we still got a little time left on today's episode, so let's talk about baseball, right? It's just going to be a short little segment. I just want to update you about the MLBPA in the league in terms of the lockout. So here's an article by Matt Snyder released earlier this morning titled MLB Lockout. MLBPA to present counteroffer to owners during in-person bargaining session Monday, which is today. So here we go. This will be the second meeting between the two sides since the owners locked the players out on December 2nd. Now they met a couple weeks ago. The league proposed them something and the players were like, ah, hell no. Hell no. Here we go. The Major League Baseball Players Association will present a counteroffer to the owners on Monday. Uh, the counterproposal will present on Monday during an in-person bargaining session in New York to start in the early afternoon. So later today or maybe it's already happened depending when you listen to it. This episode. This counteroffer would be a response to what was presented to them by MLB owners on January 13th the details of which were not met with any enthusiasm from the player's side. To recap, the MLB owners offered the players this, raising the league minimum salary and opening up more money available to so-called, quote, Super 2s, players who qualify for arbitration for four years instead of the standard three before hitting free agency. Extra draft picks for teams that don't manipulate service time for top prospects in order to gain an extra year of control in lieu of simply playing the best players on the big league roster at all times. Further adjustments to the league's previously proposed draft lottery, which would include incentives for teams to stop extreme tanking. Now the first one, you guys know my stance, I hate arbitration. But arbitration does pay more than... Uh, contract renewability. So I don't hate that. I don't know the term super twos. I think that's kind of stupid. 
but having four years of arbitration and two years of contract renewability, I don't hate because at least with arbitration, you have the chance you will make more money than contract renewability. Extra draft picks for teams that don't manipulate service time. How can you prove that? I guess you could look at, hey, these three best players in your farm system aren't playing and in the minor leagues. They're playing better than these three players in your major league roster. So you should be playing these guys. And if a team was to do that, oh, you're playing these three guys that your major league roster who performed this well, doing better than those three guys who currently are on your roster. Congratulations, you get a draft pick. I just feel like that that alone is manipulable. And then further adjustment to the league's previously proposed draft lottery, which would include incentives for teams to stop extreme tanking. What incentives? How can you prove that they're stopping the extreme tanking? What if a team is tanking, but it looks like that they're not? How can you prove a team is not tanking? Or how can you prove a team is tanking? Well, you can obviously prove a team is tanking by looking at the the wins and loss column, but what if they're not trying to <laughs> and they just suck that bad? Uh, back to the article. In general, the players have wanted more money in the pockets of younger players since the overwhelming majority of players who appear in the majors don't make it to free agency six or even close to seven years, which I've mentioned a thousand times. Bobby Dahlback won't hit free agency till he's 31, 32. That's terrible. They have also expressed concern about too many teams not putting the best product possible on the field, the tanking and service time manipulation. Typically, owner offers of paying younger players more comes attached to offers of lowering the luxury tax. That is, the owners aren't paying players more in general. They are simply shifting salaries around the player pool. Via my colleague Max Axis, uh, X, I don't know. Here's a summary of where things stand before the players make their counterproposal on Monday. MLB, already, MLB proposed gradually raising the luxury tax threshold to $220 million by 2026. Pay-for-play arbitration system and free agency for all at age 29.5. Okay, eh, it could be a little lower. Eliminating draft pick compensation for free agents. Okay, maybe. Expand 14-team postseason draft lottery for top three picks. And the MLB proposed, or this is what uh, where the players could stand according to, uh, what's the author's name? Mike, Matt Schneider's colleague. He thinks, or he believes, the MLBPA will propose raising the luxury thre uh, tax threshold to $245 million. Okay. Free agency at five years of service time and age 29.5 or six years of t service time, whichever comes first. Interesting. I kind of like that. So free agency at five years of service time and 29 and a half years old or six years of service time, whichever comes first. Huh. So if a player, say he comes up at 20, like a Juan Soto who came up at 19, let's just call it 20 for now. Six years later, they can reach free agency, which is the same as contract renewability and arbitration, which is three years and three years. Or when they reach 29 and a half, but they need to have five years of service time? Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I like the direction where that's going. 29 and a half, I would like to see 28 and a half personally. 
I think 28 and a half would be pretty good because at least they'd get like a year and a half on the under of 30. And then six years of service time, it's currently the way it is now. So interesting. I'm surprised they're not trying to fight maybe for five years or four years. But hmm, interesting. All right, continuing. Service time bonuses for all-star game selections, awards, etc. Okay. Expanded 12-team postseason. Right now, it's 10. So going to 12, would that be three wild cards? Interesting. Three division winners, three wild cards. I don't, I don't know if I like that. I, don't know, I guess the best team with the record in the American League National League would get a quote-unquote bye, and then everyone else would play like a best of three. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. Interesting. Draft lottery with a market size component. Uh, market size. Is that in terms of like, you know, the city? So like Tampa Bay has a small market compared to New York. Draft lottery for top three picks. Ugh. I guess the draft lottery would help because if a team finishes with 40 wins, they could still get, you know, screwed and get the third pick. But you don't want to see a team with the fifth pick end up with the one pick. If you were to do five, because I'm thinking in my head, maybe five would be better. That's, that's an interesting one right there. I would ultimately like to not see a draft lottery. I know the NBA and the NHL both use it already. The NFL does not. MLB does not. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, man, that's tough. What if you just take the bottom five teams and just each have 20% to get picks one through five and just go from there? And see what happens. I don't know. That's going to be really, really tough to kind of uh, to fiddle with. But closing out the article, let's hope they come to an agreement sometime soon. The clock is ticking. Spring training is set to start in the middle of February, less than a month away. And opening day is scheduled for March 31st. So at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait to see how this meeting goes between the Players Association and the league. Is going to be really interesting and we're going to have to see where the two sides stand because if the end of today's meeting is a positive one, then maybe we can still hope for the season, the 2022 season to start and finish on time. However, if they are light years apart, similar to their previous meeting on January 13th and they leave miles apart, then the question of 2022 season starting on time will be significantly up in the air but that is going to wrap it up for today's episode i really hope you enjoyed today's episode as we broke down the nfl divisional round and obviously we talked a little bit about major league baseball i definitely will dive in and kind of give a follow-up on friday's episode to where the players association and the league owners meeting how it ended how it went because me personally like you guys know i love baseball it's my favorite sport one of my favorite sports of all time and it forever will be so to see the 2022 season up in the air with uncertainty does not bode well with me. So I do want to see a season on time and in its traditional normalized fashion. But like I said, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for clicking on this video. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the thumbs, but thumbs up button. Excuse me. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to the channel if you're new and leave any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about down in the comment section below. And if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. And I really hope you enjoyed today's episode as well. Please reach out to me on social media. 
at Murph's Card Town with any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about as well. But that is going to do it for today's episode. Have a fantastic week. Enjoy a little recuperation between now and Sunday where we will have the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game as they both get squared off between the Bengals and Chiefs and the 49ers and Rams. But I will catch you on Friday for Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, episode number 125. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you.